and welcome to TTELT, Teaching Tips for English Language Teachers, a program of educators worldwide. My name is Maya Moore, and I'll be your host for today. On today's episode, we are joined by Pearlie Lubin. Pearlie has been an educator for over 14 years. Most recently, Pearlie has been a virtual language fellow in Costa Rica with the U.S. State Department. There, she led training courses to improve the communicative ability of in-service teachers. She is currently pursuing her doctorate in education in higher education with an emphasis in TESOL. On today's episode, Hurley will be sharing with us some tips on building bridges and creating learning communities. So welcome to the podcast, Pearlie. Thank you, Maya. Thank you for having me. So I, I'd love for us to get started by you sharing some, some contacts about the students you were working with, because today, for our listeners, today we're going to be talking about two different groups of students that you were um, building this, this kind of learning space, this learning community with. So could you start with telling us about the first group of students? Sure. The first group were actually not students, they were teachers. There you go. So <laughs> I worked with in-service teachers and this is uh, fall 2020. So we are in the height of the pandemic here. And this is the first time that teachers are tasked with uh, teaching online. Furthermore, their institution just designed a new employment entrance exam. And these teachers were the uh, percentage who did not pass that exam. So they were coming in a little bit um, anxious, a little bit demoralized, and I was tasked with helping them improve their communication skills. I see. So they're coming to you in a bit of a, a tenuous position. Uh, so I imagine there are a lot of emotions. And so that's part of what you had to kind of unpack in order to have a successful <laughs> experience in the classroom is kind of just to calm everyone's um, anxiety and the tension. So Please share with us how you how you did that, how you went about creating this um, this learning community and making everybody feel calm and welcome and kind of encouraged. Well, the first thing is I, I knew that I wanted everyone to know that we were colleagues working together. And so um, it was very important to share some of the things that I value, respect being one, but another is mistakes. I value that and they, they were taken aback by that. Um, but to prove my point, uh, we, we use Microsoft Teams and I was not well versed in Microsoft Teams at the start of this assignment. So um, I got in contact with a tech who trained me and then I asked him, would he come to the class and teach the group? And so I invited the tech, I recorded the session. And so we kept that in a public file where teachers can look at it anytime they wanted to, but they, I showed them that, you know, it was important for me to show that I did not know something, but I was willing to learn and, and it was okay. I think that helped. And the other part of it is that I said that we're, you know, I'm here to help, but I'd like to hear from them. So I invited them to take part in the design of the course. I asked them to help me design the course. And I think that that over time, they realized that I meant what I said and they opened up. Okay, now this is a really interesting part of, of, of the discussion here because I, I'd love for you to share more with us about how they helped you design the course and you know what that looks like, how much time it took, if you could just walk us through that a bit. 
um, part of it is the, the, the class rules. So I asked, what are the things that they value? Because again, I'm working with teachers from a different culture. They're in Costa Rica and I don't know everything. So I asked, what are some of the things that you value in a class? What do you expect from your students? And now that you're in that role, quote unquote, what are some things that you would like to see? So I asked the teachers to work in different pods of groups of four um, in their breakout rooms and they could discuss things and they could tell me, okay, this is what we would like to see here. And I could ask questions as why, why is that important? And so I learned a little bit about the class dynamics in Costa Rica. I learned a bit about the culture and they took ownership of the class. Um, some other things that we did is that because it was fall 2020 and one of the things that we wanted to do is work on learning different apps so they can use in class is um, one assignment, we talked about different apps. We just finished learning one and they said, wow, this was great, we'd like to learn more. And I said, really? Okay. Um, so then I asked the teachers, what have you already used that you like using, that your students appreciate and they're able to learn from? And so they shared different apps and I made a list. And I asked the teachers, are you all familiar with these apps? And most were not familiar with many of them. So I thought, okay, of these apps, I asked them to consider which ones do you think are the most um, important, which would be the most helpful in a classroom. And then I asked the teachers to design a short mini lesson to teach us how to use that app. <laughs> so uh, some of the lessons were them sharing with us. Other times it was a matter of assessing a reflection and assessment. They had weekly reflections. So reflective practice was a big part of the course, as well as assessing how would you adapt what we've done in this workshop for your own classroom? I see. And, and for you know, our listeners who haven't implemented reflection into, um, into their course you know, on a regular basis, what did that look like in your class? Was it um, journal entries that the students would, or teacher students, student teachers would share with you? Or was it something different? They were weekly journal entries and I limited it to about three questions. Um, some of the typical questions would be what went well? Um, what, did, what is something we've done this week that you can adapt into your own classroom and outline how, what that would look like? So I want it to be something useful that they can look back at and see, okay, this was helpful or this is how I would adapt something. So I wanted the teachers to be comfortable changing things, adapting things, not feeling that they had to do things exactly as I did them, but thinking about their own context and what would be helpful. Right, right. So for, with this group of, of students who are actually teachers, um, what I'm hearing from you is, is one, of the, one of the tips of your approaches is just to, to create a, a safe place to, to make everybody feel comfortable and, and you kind of, you diffuse the, the anxiety by saying, hey, people make mistakes. I make mistakes. We're here to make mistakes. We're here to learn. And then you involved them in their own education, made them part of the process by saying, let's talk about what the class rules are. What, what do we as a class want um, to achieve? So kind of basically they were helping you put together the learning outcomes for the course. Is that right? That's right. Okay. And then a big, the final big piece is the reflection and assessment. So what did you get out of the course this week or today? And how will you apply this in your courses in the future? Okay. 
Love it. Thank you. Anything else that um, that you'd like to share about working with this particular group of teachers? The, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time with the teachers and it was wonderful to see once the anxiety was lifted, people saw that we could work together. The other big thing I learned um, from this is to encourage collaboration. So that was another big part of this class where um, the teachers told me they were from different parts of the country. So they were not always in the same place. And even those who worked in the same institution, the same uh, building, they didn't always communicate. They passed by each other. But here, uh, collaboration was a big part of this class. And the understanding that I may not know everything, but my partner may know something that I don't, and we can collaborate and learn and do something even better. So that was a big part of it that they really appreciated. And even after the course ended, the teachers still maintained contact with each other and were able to confer with each other on different lesson plans and different ideas and projects for their courses. So um, I think that was another big part of it, just the collaboration that we built there. Right, so it sounds like some lasting relationships were, were formed in your course. I believe so. Okay, that's wonderful. And then you worked with uh, another group of students that you'd like to talk about today. Tell us a little bit about this group. Yes, yeah, so this these are actual students. <laughs> these these so these are secondary students. So in my second year, I work with secondary students in Limon, and there I worked with a mixed group. So the English language proficiency was very broad. I had students who are, were a lot more proficient in the language and those who were a little bit more timid and, and needed a little bit more room of encouragement to open up. And I wanted to give all of the students a common language to communicate. In my in-person classes, I usually start off with talking about the different ways that we communicate. And one of them is body language. So I, I'll ask, what does what does a thumbs up mean in your culture? Uh, what does it mean when your eyes are down and you're communicating with someone? What does that communicate to that person? What does it mean when you look them in the eye? So we talk a little bit about that and we do something similar in an online community, but they, we have an additional language that is available. And I learned about this from um, an English language specialist. And when she shared that idea, I thought, wow, be helpful here. So I asked my students about using emojis. And so we use emojis as another means of communication in class. Okay, so using emojis because you have the benefit of that through Zoom or whatever other, um, you know, video conferencing platform you're using. So could you tell us about how you approach that conversation? Because I, I know in my own life, the emojis for me mean different, different things. You know, it, some people take it very seriously. If you send a, a heart emoji, they think you, you know, it means something more serious maybe than what you intend. So I'd love right. to hear what you discovered with your students. It's interesting that you mentioned that because in class, I, I mentioned, has anyone ever used emojis? And I got yeses. And I shared just a happy face, a smiling face. I shared a sad face. And I asked, what do these represent to you? What do these mean? And so when I showed the happy face, people said happy, and some wrote it in Spanish, which was fine. And then I asked, what are some other ways you would express that you are happy or satisfied? And I got a series of different emojis. So I got the smiling face with the hearts or the smiling face with the stars. So I thought, oh, so this is not necessarily love to you, but it just means that I'm happy or satisfied or I'm okay. So then we practiced a number of different adjectives and I asked, how would you express this particular feeling? 
In addition to that, I asked, how would you express confusion where you understand some things, but maybe don't understand some other things? And so part of the class language was a thumbs up and a thumbs down, meaning that I'm a little confused. <laughs> I need a little help. And so that was helpful to me because then in class, if I, if, if I stop and I ask, how are we doing? Do we understand these instructions or how is this activity? If I see that, then I can ask, okay, so-and-so, which part of this lesson did you understand? And I'd listen to that and which part, then I'd know which part to work on. Um, so it, it helped me to clarify um, some things that, where there was confusion in the class. So emojis became a really big part of our class in terms of assessments and just expressing how are we doing on a regular basis. Right, it's such a quick way to let your, your feelings be known. And it's just, it's kind of, it's the way that we're interacting with each other in our personal lives. So it makes sense to, take advantage of that form of communication in the classroom as well. All right. Yeah, that's, that's, no, that's, that's smart. I think that um, in my classes, I basically have just focused on like the, the thumbs up, thumbs down, as you were mentioning, but I had never really thought about taking the time to go through them and say, well, how would you express happiness? Which emojis would you use? So that's, um, that's something that I know our listeners will, will appreciate because you know, if I see a heart with the, the smiley face with the hearts, I'm thinking you're in love. <laughs> it's just happiness for some folks. Right. All right. Well, so we've talked about um, in with this group of students, we're talking about kind of giving them tools of communication, kind of getting into nonverbal communication and how that's an important part of, of interacting. Basically, it's kind of the part of communication that we don't talk so much about. Um, and that's giving students, I guess, maybe um, a little bit of a, a lower stress way to be involved in the class. If they can just use an emoji and not and not unmute themselves, they can just, you know, press that emoji and they're kind of involved. It, it is. And it's particularly in the beginning where we're um, still getting to know each other. Now, as students gain more confidence, mm -hmm. of course, they'll communicate more, they'll express themselves more. Um, but I, for just a quick check-in, if I've given instructions for an assignment, we're about to work on a project, we're gonna get into a scavenger hunt. I wanna make sure that we're clear on what are the instructions? What are we going to be doing next? I might do a quick check-in. Is everyone okay? Um, how are you feeling about the instructions? Do you understand me? And I'll wait a couple of seconds for a couple of reasons. Bandwidth is not the greatest. And sometimes I wait a couple of seconds to see who checks in. And if I see someone missing, I might ask, oh, so-and-so, how are you doing? And they're comfortable saying, okay, I'm okay, or I'm not really sure about this. And we can go over it. Um, but particularly in the beginning, it's, it's a great way for students to know that they can express themselves, even if they don't have all of the vocabulary to express what they'd like to in the English language. So if I could sum it up and please, you know, jump in Pearly if I'm missing anything um, from what you've shared with us today in terms of how you went about creating uh, a learning community with, with both groups. Um, it really started out with kind of creating a safe space, a welcoming space where everyone could feel comfortable um, involving your students in the process, involving them in creating a course that worked for them. Um, giving them opportunities to collaborate, giving them opportunities to 
show their own level of expertise, right? Uh, because you were talking about the project where they did some research on apps and then presented to the group. Um, and it sounds like that lended itself to creating collaborations later and creating lasting relationships because now they had this community they could tap into for support. You know, people right down the hall or in the same building that they could reach out to, have lunch, brainstorm over lesson plans, um, and then giving students the tools to express themselves. So when you're working with the younger students, um, maybe they didn't have the vocabulary, as you said, to express themselves, but they do have emojis. And so you could really um, maximize those emojis in the classroom for them and also for you as a quick way to check in and make sure everybody is on the same page and feeling comfortable to move forward. Um, did I miss anything? No, I think you. that's a great wrap up right there. Um, I, I've even used them at the end of a, of a class as a wrap up, just to say, you know, what went well today or how do they feel about this? And I'll just ask, like, we worked on this today and we worked on this. How did you feel about this? How was this for you? Do we need to work on this a little bit more? And again, they got comfortable to say, you know what? I would like to work more on the spelling or I need more help with this capitalization or so things like that, they can let me know. Um, but that was a good way to open the door. Right. So it also sounds like a way to build some confidence in saying, I need help or I need more explanation, which is something we know students are hesitant to do, right? They're hesitant to, to let everyone know that they're confused about something. Right. So this was a doorway to make them more comfortable. Well, thank you, Pearlie, for sharing so many kind of great nuggets, really, of, of wisdom here from these two groups of of um, classes and thank you for joining us and um, we hope that you'll join us again in the future for another podcast um, for our listeners thank you so much for joining us today this has been TTELT um, teaching tips for English language teachers a program of educators worldwide if you're not familiar, we have other programs, we have workshops, we have teacher talks. Um, so please check out all of our programming on ttelt.org. Um, we would love for you to follow us on social media, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, and also when you try out the tips that, that Pearlie has shared today, um, excuse me, that Pearlie has shared today, um, please leave us a comment or a voice message on ttelt.org.